welcome to These Lads on Mental. My name is Gary. And I'm Neil. And our podcast is a lighthearted approach to normalize mental health. These Lads are Mental recognizes the Gadigal people of the Aurora Nation as the custodians and traditional owners of Sydney. We pay respect to their ancestors and elders, past and present, and value their continuing connection to lands, living culture, and integral contribution to the bright and inclusive future of this beautiful city that we call home. So on this week's show, we have Chev Kelly. Chev is an integrative health coach. And one of our specialties is dealing with anxiety. Chev's got some great workshops on anxious about being anxious, and you'll tell from this episode her chilled out approach and expertise will keep you listening and wanting more. But before we start today's show, please listen to our disclaimer. This show is just a group of opinions and is not to be treated as medical advice. If you are struggling with mental health, please speak to your physician or reach out to a service such as Lifeline. Thank you. Well, Chef, this is how we start. Every yeah, I love episode. it. I'm perfect. The most lols lull, ever in the first five minutes. Just rambles. I'm in the right place. Yeah. <laughs> well, we are we are super casual, and you got you got all our questions, didn't you? Yep, I did. Do you want me to read them, or are you gonna? No, 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 no. Um, that was probably our general trap between the three of us. Um, to, kick, to kick things <laughs> off but um before i ask the first question i was actually interested because i was looking on you're you're up in mullumbimby in byron as we're chatting today yeah that's right <laughs> but where where are you from are you from up around that region originally or tell us a bit about no. your backgrounds i'm originally from rural victoria um penshurst it's like a small country town in it's near Port Ferry, Warrnambool, if you know that. It's a town of 500 people, maybe more these days. Um, my family is actually Irish descendant, the Kellys, and we settled there. We actually settled in Winchelsea as potato farmers from Ireland when they first came out. And then we made our way down to Penshurst and then the generations kind of just kept, kept breeding there. And so my grandfather, my great grandfather Desmond was born there. And then my grandfather Desmond was born there. And then my dad Desmond no <laughs> was, way. Born, was born there. And then I was born there. And um, Desmond. <laughs> <laughs> no, my brother's name is Desmond. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, so we're very Irish. Um, and on my mum's side, we're from Victoria as well, but they were convicts. And I think they're a mixture of Irish and Welsh and a bit of Nautic background. That's where I get my, my blue eyes from. Um, yeah, so I'm wow. originally from Victoria and I made my way to New South Wales to Byron when I was 22. So I've been here on and off because I've moved around, but this has been my base for, I think, well, well I'm 33 now. So just, yeah, over 10 years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 33, yeah. I, don't, I don't believe that. It must be the good Irish genes. <laughs> <laughs> It gets better. I like getting older. How old are you? How old are you guys? I'm 30. You're 30? 33. Same age as you. Yeah. Yeah. 88. I'm yeah. I'm 27. Uh, uh, uh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, nah. nah, I'm, I'm actually, t I'm 37 in, um, in just over two weeks time, the 7th of November. Hint, hint, Gary. Um, hey. Little Prezi. Uh, well, that's my love language actually is gifts so <laughs> yes it is it is <laughs> yeah. just in case you're wondering um well that's a, a funny because des kelly I, I, it's just i was having a little laugh but back in ireland the biggest carpet company carpet company in ireland is des kelly carpets <laughs> and they're like huge and they sponsor one of the big football teams bohemians who are actually are a rival of my team shamrock rovers so des kelly carpets yeah, so if you ever went home and said you were like descendant of Des Kelly, you'd you'd be treated like royalty. Free carpet. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. Free, Free carpet. 
<laughs> there you go. Oh, that's nice. I I I I didn't know that background to you. So thanks for sharing. That's really nice. Okay. And mm. and spe- speaking of backgrounds, we usually start off the podcast with the topic, which is you know mental health. So, um. Can you tell us about your own mental health story or um, where is that, where, like, you know, um, where did that start? Where is that today? Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah of course. Um, well, obviously I work in the wellness space, but I'm also a human being. So it's a affliction that we all have. Um, but for me, my mental health story kind of started well, when you when I guess I've done inner work and been fortunate to work with traditional cultures as well, so I've got a very deep uh, comprehension of, of myself to date, ever evolving. But basically, it started with as a kid. I had anorexia. I was so I started that probably when I was fourteen. So that's definitely like it's a severe mental health issue, and I probably didn't get over that until I was about twenty-two. And that was when my grandma died. So and her name was Mary. Um, and it kind of just snapped me out of it. You know what I mean? Like I just really realized, oh, I've got to live. I'm killing myself here. You know, I'm not living. And, but, you know, eating disorders are deeply connected to not wanting to exist. It's, it's like not feeling at home or safe here on the earth. And also then you can look at it in societal factors in terms of, well, especially back when I was 14, there was a lot of pressure with, with girls about how they should look. And, and the, the patriarchal mindset was quite strong in Victoria as well. Um, the being that it's kind of like, you know, the boys play footy and the girls just watch and, and you're a bit more objectified. So I definitely fell, I don't want to say victim, but I definitely fell into that pressure. And also because I was such an empathetic um girl and there was no support at school for people like myself it was you know I was always a bit weird um so I kind of just went into control mechanisms which expressed as an eating disorder and it just gave me that satisfaction so then when I started to heal it um that was where I started to unpack yeah all the uh the contrast around that and I started to comprehend just how little I guess our modern world if you, if you think about it, the western culture really comprehends the emotional body um or doesn't I think it's definitely changing which I'm, I'm glad for but in schools there's no subjects that say hey help you to get to know yourself hey this is like how you process life and this is how you feel and there's no right nor wrong around that it's kind of fit into this number and fit into this category and fit into this and if you don't you don't belong so it can be very isolating but then on top of that all these pressures about looking a certain way and being a certain way and and there was also um personal pressures at home and things like that with, with dysfunctional families um i probably won't go into that too much because that's maybe private for those members of my family as well we have resolved it by the way but it is it was it was difficult at that time so yeah that was kind of what started me on this path wow yeah and as a young girl you know as you were saying in victoria at that point and dealing with like an eating disorder like was there mm-hmm. a lot of was there a lot of support for you either from an in, like an institution point of view with school or with family or did you feel like that was quite challenging you know did you feel quite isolated when when that all started to happen mm, I definitely felt isolated there wasn't there wasn't much support at all um because my family at the time didn't have the capacity you know we were a big family and there's a lot of pressures on them and I can see that and they just didn't know what to do about it but also with healing as well as a person it had to be my choice so I think if I had asked for help I would have got it but because I didn't choose that mm. I didn't get it you know what I mean even as, even as a kid it, it doesn't matter because with eating disorders a person doesn't get over it until they choose it or like anything really um, I think people definitely did try to help but like I said, because I didn't want to get better, I, they couldn't really intervene without my permission. That makes mm-hmm. sense. 
Yeah. It's maybe, you know, they often say that, you know, acceptance is the first step, right? You know, for you mm. to go and, and find help. And sometimes that's actually uh, the hardest step is yeah. the, the first step. Um, and it was interesting that you mentioned, was your, your granny that passed away that jolted you out of that? It's, it's, that was yeah. interesting how, how the loss of a dear loved one could actually help you, you know, yeah. move on. Yeah, it was, so my grandma, Mary, I was very close with her and I was actually with her when she died and that was a profound experience. So I was there with my sister and my dad's one of nine, so a very, very Irish family. And oh, um, my dad. <laughs> no t- no, TV, we no all... TVs back then. <laughs> no, none needed. <laughs> so we... We were all there and it was beautiful. Like, it was just beautiful to watch the strength that comes out of a person. Like she was already a strong woman anyway, beautiful woman. She had rheumatoid arthritis and she had nine children and her husband, my granddad had died when she was pregnant with the last child. And yeah, I mean, she had a lot of help from her kids, but she was a very strong woman. And in her dying days, she just held on till she saw every single one of her children like just the will for life and so then when I was with her I yeah she passed and then I was like what am I doing I'm wasting this beautiful life that I've got um and I'm you know sitting around feeling sorry for myself hurting myself I've got to start living so I just made that decision and then I had started having a really good time and discovered Byron Bay and of course along the way there's heaviness that comes up because heaviness creates these situations but um it was the decision you know and and witnessing death made me appreciate life for sure well yeah. maybe that sounds like it was her parting gift almost to you as a, as a loving granny um, Definitely. To, to set you on your way and yeah a little shout out to all the grandparents in the world because they're just i mean I just, they're just legends aren't they like i mean i don't yeah. know what it is about them maybe because they're not around you every single day they get away with the kind of <laughs> the kind of nasty stuff that you have to deal with as a parent but um like I don't know what about your grandparents Gary but god my granny and granddad I actually have a tattoo of my granddad Frank on my arm it's how much he meant to me they're just an amazing yeah. group yeah totally yeah um yeah. And then, so moving on, so that, so that's your own story. And then at what point did you, because you're an integrative coach, so maybe you might just explain to listeners what that is and what, mm-hmm. pivot, what pivotable moments in your life set you down that path? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, probably the death of, again, back to my grandma. So, my, um, so I've been fortunate to study with traditional Andean cultures and still am, probably will too the day I die I hope (laughs) Um, but we don't know and in traditional cultures they say that certain lineages and and if you will like the healing energy is passed on from grandparent to grandchild Um, and my grandmother was a nurse and she definitely had that empathetic you you might say healing energy about her so when she passed I actually um how would I say it? It was like I had all these intuitive abilities, if you will, that started to um, open up and I couldn't ignore them. Uh, Things started to synchronize and esoteric things started to happen quite quickly. Um, Hence why it led me to Bari because it was like, okay, I gotta go and make sense of these things. And obviously you can take this or leave this. I'm not here to tell anyone what to believe. This was simply my experience. but yes, as I moved to, as I moved to, sorry, I had a call to Byron, I met teacher along the way that helped me to make sense of it. And basically, yeah, grandma had sort of passed on the baton, if you will, like, okay, I did my job to the point that I could do it. And now you've got to keep doing the rest for, for our family and our line. Um, so along that way, I studied counseling, uh, case management. So I started more in the Western culture uh, and youth work, but I was so young and I was volunteering at the Byron Bay Youth Center and things. It's just, I was too young for it. I didn't have the, the life experience to do that work then. 
So I kind of lived life for a bit and then I moved into studying uh, alternative therapy. So I studied integrated healing, which is component, has components of kinesiology and kinegetics within it. So it's like muscle testing, accessing the subconscious. In those ones that had chakra things and all that sort of stuff. So I was right into that for a few years. Not so much into the chakras and stuff like that these days. I think these things have their time. And then... Um, I studied NLP, which is working with the subconscious, um, accessing the unconscious belief systems. And then I studied energetics. And then of the last, going on six years, I've been taught to study myself and study with the traditional Andean culture. And I've been going through initiations uh, with, with these cultures, which is basically um initiations into myself and 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 how they would describe it is taking responsibility for your soul and and your 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 my contact with the earth if, if you if you believe those sorts of things um and what my, my responsibility but that's not like sometimes i think in the western culture that can get glorified but it's basically just like being truly myself and taking responsibility for that and enjoying enjoying that as well um which has been really cool so it's integrated in terms of yeah i was gonna say yeah like how how does the your it sounds like you've got a real interesting mix of different backgrounds and practices (laughs) which is awesome and how, how does that translate then in terms of helping people do you think the western culture is mixed up with traditional has been a benefit in the work that you do Absolutely, yeah, for sure. But in terms of um, what I feel I have a responsibility to um, take care of these traditional ways and, and also remembering my own ancestry in terms of the Celtic traditions in this space, the Celtic, if you will, shamanic practices. Um, and so these, these traditions don't get lost. Um, because perhaps in the, the Western culture, a lot of the sickness that we have is that we have lost connection with nature. We've lost connection with our own natural ecosystem within life. Um, and we've become quite egocentric, which is probably what's making our mental health even worse because it's just a narcissistic culture in many ways. Um, so yeah I think it really does benefit because it simplifies my experience of studying with traditional cultures is it simplifies things um, rather than exaggerates so I try to bring them in together to support people to because a lot of the thing as well there's in when in working with people the deep deep seated belief that we all carry seem to carry from my experience and observation is that we don't matter and then where do I belong? And we're all kind of in the search for this. So then it's like, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? And what can I, you know, and there's nothing wrong with wanting to create and, and, and thrive and do things in life. That's a beautiful gift, I feel, of life. But sometimes I feel in the Western culture, and again, take it or leave it, um, we've got away from just the self being enough. And it's like looking for reasons why we matter. And the things that we do mean I finally matter, don't I? Now I matter. Rather than like, I'm so thankful to be alive, which is probably more of the traditional culture approach. How can I be, um, you know, uh, in harmony with my environment? How can I live and create in harmony in my environment? And that's kind of, I guess, how I'm bringing it into integrating it. Because, okay, how can I bring these traditional approaches and integrate it into what the Western culture knows. Does that make sense? Yep, makes sense. What about, Chef, so looking at how you, I was looking at how your sessions are sort of ran, and one thing you mentioned is you get clients who talk about their background and their family history and stuff like that, and it was interesting to hear your little story as well at the start regarding the grandmother, how potentially that was a, a trigger for you looking deeper into that with your clients as well. Do you find that after working with someone, a lot of their maybe mental health issues or any issues they do have do stem from things that have happened in the past? 
Absolutely, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I can use my own experience as an example. Um, with the eating disorder, through the doing healing, it's actually stemmed from being in the womb because my mum, love her, she's an amazing woman and she had her experience and there's no hard feelings, yet she had postnatal depression. She was a young woman. She didn't, you know, she had traumatic trauma in her childhood, which she'd never dealt with. She wasn't ready for parenthood. You know, she was still a teenager. And so I wasn't feeding. I wasn't actually receiving the placenta rotted and I wasn't receiving food. So already those belief systems that I didn't deserve food and that I didn't deserve life and that I wasn't wanted started in development. So then it just expressed because the stress is holding the cells and every time an event would happen that would maybe clarify that was true. I'm using bunny rabbit ears here. Um, just think. Laser. But you know what I mean? So every time that that would happen, it would it would solidify to the unconscious, to the nervous system. Oh, Chef, you don't matter. And you don't deserve to eat. Like, you don't matter. Like, and so when I actually got really back to that, that stemmed from there. But then when I got even deeper with it, she, my mom, she had that going on too. And then when we got deeper again, my grandmother had it and it went back and back and back and back and back. So it came to the point where it was like me as the, the woman that I am today had the choice because it's always a choice to go, well, that's bullshit. We don't have to keep carrying that on. We don't have to keep passing that down the line. So I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to feel it. And, you know, there's a different story available. And that's probably where I would say the traditional practices of getting back to the earth and, and feeling the connection to the elementals and to life and, you know, just the simple beauty of being alive helped to complete that cycle. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah, interesting to see as well, though, because of us, like initially when I think of someone talking to a client and then the conversation goes, right, okay, what's your background and family history? You would think naturally there might be something negative there, which has caused something to happen in the present day. But is there any things that you've ever come across clients and it's like, oh, something really positive or something that had a great upbringing and they've got no issues? And then that's maybe caused something in the future. Has that ever, came up, ever happened? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So you mean like, they're like, I've had no problems, but I need to evolve. So I need some problems to evolve. Some people, I've heard people tell me to this day, like growing up, everything was just so perfect and their family was, everything was, their brother was perfect and blah, blah. And it just created this own problem for themselves, even though there was no problem to start with. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, I have actually had, I've only ever had that happen a couple of times or not happened, experienced it a couple of times. And generally what I've noticed, and obviously everybody's different, um, with that experience, a person will naturally just start to create the chaos themselves because they because it feels like a disconnected world as well because they're like they want to connect with people and people are like feel like they've suffered so much and they don't have that suffering yeah, they're yeah. like hate suffering so they can feel that connection because we naturally want to belong so it's like they kind of create their own problems so they're like oh yeah I get it too like I belong as well so yeah. somewhere along the line that can happen but it depends how you look at it I don't I, I don't know um with some of the teachers that I've had for that the Andean culture they talk about and obviously take this Olivia's they talk about there's some souls that have lived through many many lifetimes so they have memory of of a lot of trauma that's taken place on the earth and then there's some that are fresh like newbies um but that that um that new energy is needed otherwise we'd just be chugging through all the old heavy stuff over and over does that make sense yeah so you kind of need need those people that can move a bit quicker yeah it's mad when you actually think about that three of us on this call have stemmed from how many thousands worth of years of like evolution that's just crazy i've never even thought about that before that we all yeah. came from somewhere so like imagine all the trauma that you know each new generation has buried deep inside us but then we get worried about you know what old mate down the road has got a new car <laughs> you know, like, yes. into context it seems crazy i mean do you ever get that feeling where 
you get that maybe that's where deja vu comes from you know where you go i feel like i mean i kind of believe in reincarnation but do you ever get that feeling where you see something or you sense something you're like god this doesn't feel new like but it feels like it's deeply entrenched in you yeah that's just become normal <laughs> <laughs> what were you gonna say sorry no was no that, 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 that no, that's right that was yeah i do um, yeah no i think um as you were saying yeah like so many of us worry about the past and we don't live in much in the present and gary like i don't know you're probably thinking the same when i was just listening to you speak but like if we're just getting the same answers or the same thoughts every single week about the the the, the simplest solution is the the simplest thing we, you know um or the most basic solution is often the simplest one um and everyone keeps saying it yeah we're trying to search isn't for that something. funny yeah we're trying to search for this thing out there which is perfection when in reality mm. we, we have it right here in front of you and um, Alan Watts is a big influence, uh, the philosopher, mm. and he talks about one of his great little monologues is him talking about us dreaming about this perfect life and you have all these things. And then in reality, you wake up and you realize, oh, it's not a dream. I have all these things, but then we're still not content, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think that was like one of my biggest experiences along the way. I don't know. I think it was when I was living in Melbourne when I was down there. Um, sorry, somebody tries to just calling me. Um, when you guys were opening up Nimbus and I was living there with Eva and I remember sitting under a tree down there and I just, I don't know, you know, when you just have an epiphany, I was like, oh, life is the point. Like your point is just to experience. And I just had that, like there's nothing else there's no other point other than just to be myself and to experience the gift of life and that's just a bonus and it was like one of the most beautiful experiences I've ever had I'll probably never be able to do it justice with words mm. but it was um yeah it's kind of like you don't need to create anything bigger than yourself Chef. enjoy well, the things you get to do but um yeah well, that's, that's enough stick, sticking with that point and maybe around a bit of fear like with your work and the clients that you work with, like what are some of the common fear factors that people have before they come to you and like maybe that yeah. look for help with you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's a lot of anxiety. Um, and I, I, yeah, I work with a lot of people that are experiencing anxiety and perhaps as for a, maybe not full-blown depression all the time. I also have people that have either come out of psychosis or... Yeah, mainly people who've come out of the psychosis. I'm not really working with many people that are in, in the grips of psychosis. But it's essentially it's going through like an identity death um, and not really knowing or having comprehensions that they're not, not really sure what to do with or where to place them. So I sort of am helping them or supporting them to get to know themselves and to comprehend what they're trying to learn because depression I think it's Jim Carrey that says that I always really appreciated his perspective depression is what is the body's way of saying I need deep rest like, I can't keep playing this character like, I'm evolving out of this character and I need to move on but perhaps in the western culture when somebody's depressed we get really worried and um, we, we might medicate and sometimes there is a place for medication as well I'm not discrediting that at all um, but maybe not all, always maybe sometimes it's like you know, I guess similar to being with my grandma when she died, being with her death, being her in death helped me to be reborn. So when we can actually allow part of ourselves to die, then we can really uh, be reborn and embracing that. It's a natural cycle in life. We'll probably go through many bouts of depression and anxiety throughout our lifetime. It's just being able to normalize it and kind of go, oh, okay, I'm going through a transformation all right no worries here we go you know it's awkward it's a bit awkward at first but it's if you've embraced it can be really beautiful and, and kind of funny as well so and it's the same with psychosis like psychosis often people could, could you explain psychosis as well just to anyone that is unfamiliar yeah yeah for sure i mean there's different um variations of psychosis i mainly am supporting people who have gone through what you what we may call a spiritual awakening um 
where they've had comprehensions much bigger than themselves and much bigger than the, perhaps the reality that we live in. And then they don't know how to integrate back into society. Um, and because there's a lot of fear around it and, and, and also, again, looking at ancestral lineage, there's in the past, if people had those experiences, they might have been put in straitjackets or got electric shocks or, you know what I mean, be seen as crazy. So um, they don't want the world to know. So they does, and often what happens with psychosis is we disassociate. So the person will stay out of their body and they won't want to come back in. And that's where that mania comes from. So what was needed to happen is to make the environment safe. So all things are okay. You know what I mean? There's nothing wrong. You're not crazy. You're safe to come back in. And as they become safe to come back into themselves and, and to use the pop to embody themselves again, then they can have the capacity to integrate the comprehensions that they've had. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that's an amazing way that you've just described that because I think psychosis or psychotic episodes have this very, like most mental health conditions, bipolar, all those things, they have a scary connotation attached to them. And as you were saying, like, that's why we, you know, these lads are mental because even mental is like, ah, oh, you know, he's mental. And where we started this podcast and have you explained that there? It's probably the nicest way I've heard it explained. And it's just a thing that we have to like deal with in life. And, you know, I have a little thing. I don't mind sharing this, but I have a thing with beach. This guy, you're going to laugh at this. But I have a thing with beaches and bridges. <laughs> um, like sometimes when I'm on a beach and I look up at the sky and I just see the vast like blue sky, I get a little like this little mini little, like I call them just like mini panty attacks. And I have to just like you know shuffle and like sit up and for years I used to get so scared about that because I used to I didn't tell anyone about it and it sounds it does sound crazy when you explain that it's the same with a bridge when I cross a bridge I just think I'm going to fall off like, like <laughs> which seems mental as well but it's just one of those things you have to deal with. but rather than trying to like put it in a closed closet it's better to just you know allow it to come in and almost like yeah well normalize it but also laugh back at it because it's just it doesn't need to take over your whole world you know totally yeah I don't I think it's like uh, we all have little idiosyncrasies and, and I think that's maybe the thing that creates a lot of mental illnesses that we're afraid to show them but being fortunate to listen to so many different walks of life everybody's doing it like no one <laughs> No one doesn't, doesn't matter what, like I've worked with many different people, famous people, not famous people, like low um, socioeconomics or however you say that people. And, and it doesn't matter. Like everybody's got these fears. Everybody has had some sort of experience that they think makes them really weird. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think like when it happens or when you get those feelings and you think, fuck, am I the only person on earth that is, has this feeling like and yeah. then you get kind of scared about it because you're like I don't want to tell anyone because in case I do get you know sent off to some straight jacket yeah. as you mentioned earlier on so totally. I don't know what my advice is there <laughs> but I always think if, if I've always said to people all the time if you're experiencing it somebody else definitely has as well because exactly you're just a human being all these things Maybe not in your circle or the people you know experience it, which again makes you feel weird. You go, oh, I'm not saying yeah. that. They're going to think I'm a weirdo. But there's somebody else you connect with and be like, yeah, it happens to me all the time. And you're like, no fucking yeah. way. Oh, my mate yeah. does it as well. When you know, before you know, there's 10 of you. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> but please, for my own sanity, if anybody is listening who gets that weird thing with beaches and bridges, can you, like, I don't know, send us a message so I know I'm not completely on my own? <laughs> I'm just picturing some, like, let's set up a community of people who are affected by looking at the sky at beaches. It's like a Segway podcast that you have. <laughs> oh, God, I just, like, talking I can about, see uh, Talking about anxiety, Chef, obviously that's something that um, you're pretty well versed on. Obviously, the workshop you've got through, through Nimbus is titled Anxious About Being Anxious, which, <laughs> uh, which I like to title of, and I watched it um, yesterday. Oh, cool. Could you maybe tell people what that's about? And again, that phrase, anxious about being anxious, is that's pretty much how I feel a lot of the time, so that's why I, I like the title. Um, oh, cool. 
So it'd be cool. I think that's probably the most common mental health thing I've heard in the last few months, especially with the, the whole lockdown thing is anxiety. Mm. On starting mm. to feel anxiety. Maybe it's not anxiety, but people don't really have another word for what they're feeling. Anxiety is a common mm. one. So it'd be, it'd be good to hear um, your expertise on that. Sure. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I like that one too, because it's kind of funny. I think humor is good because it's like, oh yeah, I'm anxious about being anxious. So I'm creating more anxiety about my anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, basically, you know, anxiety is what happens to the nervous system when we suppress our emotions. So then, for example, when we're walking into this very unknown um, spectrum of life at the moment with everything that's going on in the collective um, and a lot of separation trying to be created as well, which not necessarily happening, but there is that kind of feeling and people don't know. And when people don't know what to do, it brings up that feeling of lack of control. So then we move in, when we move into that space, that can bring up all the suppressed emotions that have already been there, but it, they just have the space now to be expressed. So basically the very simple um, way I try to approach anxiety, even because I'm a human and I've experienced it and still not as much these days, but can get a little bout here or there is not to make any part of self wrong, like similar to what we're talking about with psychosis or um, the bridge in the sky. It's like, as soon as we make something wrong, it becomes something that we have to fix. So then if we have to fix something, all that energy goes there rather than like inquiring into it and asking that part of ourselves, like, what, what do you need? It's like, well, acceptance or for example, with the sky, I need to feel safe. I need to feel grounded. So it makes sense that Neil would want to feel the earth, you know, (laughs) I need to feel like I'm held at some point. So when we actually acknowledge what we're feeling, then we open up, like it's like, if it's say, for example, infinite possibilities, then we open up possibilities of, um, what support is possible rather than because anxiety gets worse when we're going, Oh, if I never get out of this and I'm going to be here forever. And then if I never get out of this, and I'm going to be here. And we keep kind of perpetuating it forward and forward and forward rather than stopping and allowing all of it to be okay. Even if it doesn't feel okay, just even the willingness for it to be okay, then the solutions can start to come in. So that's, it's pretty simple. It's not always simple because I know when you we're in the grips of an anxiety attack, that's not easy. Yet you can still kind of start to implement these practices outside and around and eventually it'll come in and eventually it will just become like second nature. Hmm. Does that make sense? That, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, would that be the same for panic attacks? Because it's the, that's panic attacks, one of the things I suffer with as well. I don't think yeah. I've ever had, I don't think I've ever had a full-blown bunny years again panic attack but it's like the panic before the panic <laughs> like it's like you're panicking about potentially getting a panic attack <laughs> and then it starts building like you know water in a glass but then yeah, yeah. Is, is it the same for does it apply the same for panic attacks you think i would say so because i feel like any sort of wellness um, work is just really getting to know yourself so if we get to know ourselves you know, and I'm ever evolving, um, things just get to get easier because you become your own friend. You know what I mean? So it's like, okay, I know that I'm susceptible to get panic attacks. What do I need around that? So instead of making a part of yourself wrong, you're just starting to take care of it and you're, you're not trying to fix it. You're just like, all right, this is a part of myself that just needs me. And then we sort of stop maybe having those things happen because I think with anxiety, we feel like, if I have this forever, then I'll never be loved or I'll never reach those places that I want to reach or I never have those connections that I want to have. So we make it a block rather than a part of ourselves. You know, and I could say the same for psychosis. A lot of people that have had psychosis feel like they won't belong in society again. But it's like if that's an experience that you've had, it's not who you are. Makes sense? Like you've had a human experience of a panic attack, psychosis, anxiety. It's not who you are. It's just an experience. Yeah, I think we, we, Gary and I saw that in a few episodes ago when uh, Genevieve Bailey, who's the director of Happy Sad Man, and each of the characters in that have mental health conditions, but they've all forged a really nice life in their own right, um, which just shows that, yeah, like these things don't determine you. You can determine mm. them by how you choose to live with them, you know? Mm. 
Okay, cool. And then um, just you mentioned, you know, when anxiety starts to grow, Chef. So do you have any, so if you're sitting there and like you start to get a bit of an anxiety attack or a panic attack starts to build, do you have any, um, I know you've, you've shown us before some tools about what you can do in the moment or in the lead up. Have you got any advice and practical tips for anyone that's listening in? Yeah, for me personally, I don't think you ever stop having big emotions, whether it's branded as anxiety or panic attacks or just feeling in general. Um, For me personally, I'm a bit of a writer. So I like to ask myself questions. Okay, what am I feeling? And then I'm like, oh my fuck. (laughs) Overwhelmed. (laughs) You know, just kind of have a little vent to myself. And then, you know, so I'm letting all the, the, the victim sort of conversation out. I'm letting the, the little panic out. Um, you could say the inner child, all that stuff. And then I say, okay, what do I need? And through asking myself what I need, then I open it up. Okay. Is there anything that I can take, any actions I can take right now to support myself? Yeah, get yourself a cup of tea. You know, so it's kind of like by actually catching it and being there for myself then I'm not making it wrong. So generally it doesn't grow. And so then what starts to happen as well, the system starts, to, we start to build self-trust. I talk about this a lot and that sometimes I think it could sound really vague, but self-trust is when we trust our capacity to catch ourselves in many different experiences. Does that make sense? So it's like I try, when I'm catching myself in those situations, not like catching and trapping, like actually holding and going, okay, here we go. All right. I got you. We're going to do it. No matter what happens, we'll go. Then you're kind of building that center point, that anchor of like, I got you. You're right. You've got this. Make sense? And mm. it's probably going to eventually, those emotions will eventually stop because you just trust yourself to be okay. And a lot of the time they get worse because we're worried about what other people will think of us if we're experiencing those things. That's why what you're doing is really awesome because it's like you're normalizing it. We're humans. We're all having experiences. And healing is a beautiful gift. It, it shouldn't be something that we're afraid of. Can, can I ask? Sorry, sorry, you got me. No, I was going to say just to finish that, uh, I wanted to ask your opinion on like even the panic attacks because some people, I've heard people say that a panic attack is your body telling you that something's not right. You know, would you agree with that? Or do you have like a theory on what, what a panic attack is and maybe what it's telling your body in the moment. Yeah, I think that it's a fair statement in, in most, like there's no one way. I don't think there's one way for anything, but it's a fair statement because the body is definitely our intuitive compass. Um, and if we are looping in a situation that we're not learning the lesson or we just keep creating it and maybe internally feeling really trapped we might have a big surge of emotions such as a panic attack as a way of saying get out like come on listen um so it does make sense for sure um yeah i think that's actually a pretty fair statement to be honest because it's it is not listening something that needs to be heard and maybe that means we're walking a path that's not the right truest path for us or Maybe we're just repeating old patterns and we're not learning the lesson. Um, or maybe there's something internally that we're ready to see as well. Because often I've, in my experience and observation, depression or anxiety or panic attacks start to come up because we're ready to learn something about ourselves and we're ready to move to a different chapter and to deepen our relationship with ourselves. Um, so it's actually quite beautiful when embraced as well. And sometimes yeah. I think if we have panic attacks or all those sorts of things, it can be a lot of shame around it. But it's like, oh, actually, I'm ready to grow. So that's cool. Mm. Yeah. I, I found every time I take on a new project or a lot of stuff at once, and then what I'd, similar to yourself, Chef, in terms of writing, writing, yeah. I wouldn't say I enjoy it, but it's something that helps me massively. And what I, I used to always joke if I ever spoke to someone about it, I'm like that. I don't know if you've seen the movie, A Beautiful Mind, when he's drawn on the window. Yes. Nah, that's a, something, I have a big whiteboard and I'm just drawing that and I'm away doing stuff and I'm thinking, I am an absolute maniac. <laughs> and that, maybe it's only a 20 or 30 minute of like absolute anxiety. What I find at that point in my life, I'm always doing something 
that's potentially taking me to a next level, as in whether it be career-wise mm. or personally or whatever it may be. At that moment, I don't know that. Oh, I didn't know that. And then I started to sort of cut my terms with it. Like, do you know what? What I need is I need big spaces to write on. I can't write in a notepad. I need like a big whiteboard or a big A3 bit of paper. I need something huge and something big. So yeah. I went and got one of those big art books. So I'm like, every time I feel this coming on, I'm just going to write in this big art book. So I started writing this yeah. art. I mean, if somebody opened this art book and found this art book, they think they're dealing with Rain Man or something like that. Somebody just <laughs> this is random stuff in there. But it was almost just a, like a brain dump, word vomit. And but I could, as I looked at it, it was almost like the only things, say there's 150 things on this page, only maybe two or three would pop out. And I'm like, that's all that really matters. Oh, all that other stuff is fucking nonsense. Like, just that's just in my head. I've got it out there. But then now, because I've done that, and I, as you said, make peace with the fact that, you know what, this is coming on, get out there. This is part of my process to then, and when that's finished, maybe two or three days later, I feel so much better. And I always find that something good comes of it in terms of, Maybe I, I take action with something professionally or I take action with something personally. That is a mad yeah. process. It took probably a good two years for me to realise that that's what actually was happening. And it's yeah. like a step by step by step. But now I just go, that's my process. I'm getting anxiety here. Write this down. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy, crazy, crazy John me to do that. It's it's like your creative process. It's funny because it's, it's ironic, but it's funny as well. Before I did the video for Nimbus, I could be a bit of a dork. I got anxiety the next day and I the day before and I was like, I haven't had anxiety in years. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh my God. Anxiety about like, an anxiety podcast. It's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. And I was like, oh, okay, it's all part of it. And any time I do this as well, I have to go through the process before I facilitate it. And I've just realized it's part of it's part of being human, you know, it's part of the creative process. Um, it's part of the paradox of life. So it's like well, you can either fight it or go with it, you know? Well, I hope you know you're always safe with us at Nimbus. We yeah, never want to put you under so any safe. pressure. <laughs> but it is that 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 performance, I got a bit of performance anxiety at the end of my last job. And it was weird because like, yeah. I love speaking. I presented all through my life to conferences, you name it. And when anxiety and panic started to build, it manifested itself in performance. And what I mean by performance is, you know, going in, I used to pitch to clients and like really important things. And it got really bad where I was actually taking like Valium before like big meetings. And then it started to like, it would happen once every couple of months. Then it was like every month. And then it became like internal team meetings where <laughs> you'd be sitting around and then like you'd be building up, it would be going around all the heads and then it would go, you'd know what's coming to you. And then you'd be like literally clenching my fists under the table. Like, and what was worse is like nobody knew about it you know at mm. all even though mm. like I'm quite open about my emotions and feelings nobody knew that I was going through this and I, I ended up you know just telling people in vision and they're like oh, I didn't never even realize like this never even came across but I was like it just felt horrible having to bear that um and then you know the panic attacks were associated with that in my mind but then I've since now obviously left that and gone down the Nimbus journey and it's not to say that that's gone away for me for me anyway but yeah sometimes when I see people like presenting like a TED talk and I just like visualize myself there and going oh my god that's giving me absolute anxiety <laughs> so it's kind of like you don't want to be successful because if people start asking you to present in front of a crowd I'm like I just can't do that I'm gonna have to be like the daft punk and just like stay behind closed doors like a big helmet <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Uh, <Neil> here. <laughs> um, and so if like I feel like I've shared a lot here today. That's good. Um, bit of a bit of a counseling session for me. But for anyone for anyone out there, like I mean, do you have any is there any signs or warnings or feelings or emotions that you think is a, is a right time for someone to potentially seek? help like let's say going to meet you and your work with integrative um coaching yeah i feel like sometimes i've got to be honest i i feel a little bit um disenchanted by the the industry well not not necessarily nimbus i love nimbus so much because you guys have got such a great ethos in terms of 
demystifying wellness, you know, making it, bringing it to humans, but it's still really beautiful and, and um, has that, that depth of care there. Sometimes I feel like um, it's all gotten a bit um, egocentric, you know, um, we're trying to create something bigger than ourselves and I'm, I'm certainly not here to encourage people to, yeah, to, I don't know what I'm, to try and be anything bigger than who they are. Like my work is definitely just for people who are ready to discover themselves and to make peace with themselves and, and to then naturally from there evolve and create what feels true for them. So I, I work with people that are ready for that chapter, you know, you get to that time in your life where you're like, okay, the outside world is just not, it's just not hitting the notes that it used to anymore. Neither right nor wrong, but I'm really ready to take some time and go inward. I'm really ready to look at these fears that I have. I'm really ready to maybe address this traumatic experience that I had as a teenager or, or as a kid that I know is affecting me now. Um, yeah, now, now, now that I think about it, I think like maybe that question is probably it's probably not even a good question because as you were saying, everyone has their own journey and it's probably dangerous to say, oh, if you feel like this, then you should go seek help because like each person is different. So maybe the answer to that was more like, you know yourself and you mm. pick the time that's that's right for you to go down that path. Um, and have you seen with your work, like can you share or even anonymously some success stories of people who have come and gone mm. on to do things and I think the other thing I'd say is I hate that phrase be a better version of yourself because I hate that, that phrase too but I didn't want to use no say yes. it <laughs> <laughs> I want to make sure I'm not just the only one but I just think it creates an environment of you never being content which we've already yeah I about. agree yeah like, well, wh when's the next thing and like uh, yeah like you want to improve yourself you want to do this you want to get a better job then you want to get a better house then you want to get a better car then you want to get this and it's just never ending if you think like that and um, so yeah it'd be lovely to hear any success stories that you might share no I'm so glad that you said that because I was trying to sort of talk around that in my answer but you just said so you did up thank you um because I think it's beautiful I mean I always want to evolve I love evolving and growing and discovering and, and deepening my relationship with myself and therefore with the world um, so I get to be a better version of yourself, but sometimes I think it can be a bit of a tick, a tick box thing, um, which yeah can can create create that anxiety, that performance anxiety maybe. But the, it, evolving is a beautiful thing. Um, I think the success stories for, that I can sort of I work with a lot of people that are um, facilitators as well that. Uh, want to comprehend themselves at a deeper level and because I work with energetics and also I'm going through initiation processes with traditional cultures I um, am supporting a lot of women in particular it's not to say there wouldn't be men but it just seems to be women at this stage of my life um, who want to deepen their relationship to their intuition and and and, and to respectfully um, facilitating energetics that's kind of lost a bit in our culture as well we, we have lost that um comprehension it's all a bit woo woo and i hate that term um because it's actually you have to be quite grounded to to do that work so that's deeply based on building self-trust so the greatest uh i guess you would say transformation stories that i've been fortunate to witness is watching people come into self-trust where they actually say Shiv, I don't need to see you anymore <laughs> and I'm like great <laughs> good enjoy and they just have this deep level of self-trust experience their life in all its colors you know and trust their own navigation system to go through life um, and trust that they will be okay as well and they don't need to keep coming back to the drawing board with me to figure it out so for me personally, that's always the greatest transformational story when a person walks away, even if they don't know where they're going, they have built that level of self-trust in themselves and in life as well. Mm. Um, so that's well, what I um, would say. A, a previous podcast guest, Nick, the CEO of Batir, said the greatest achievement for a charity is when you get to a stage where you're not needed anymore. 
So yeah. maybe if we can think that to you that, yeah, when you see somebody, you know, going off into the sunset, you know, your, your work is done. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Definitely the most rewarding is when I've worked with people with you've experienced psychosis. It's a beautiful experience and they walk off and they feel a part of the world again, but not only they have so many gifts to bring through because they've had such um, extraordinary experiences. So when they walk off back into the world and they're like, I'm good. I'm like, I love that. It's beautiful. Yeah. Really cool. So then, yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah. I was just going to say that uh, moving on to the, the quick crowd question, just at the end of the, the podcast, I don't know if you've, did you send them through Neil? I did. Did I? So you've, you've been studying for these big questions. <laughs> uh, so yeah, just quick fire questions, Chev, just to, to, uh, to wrap up, uh, I'm not sure what your time schedule is like, so it's been, I'm just conscious of that as well. So the four questions, just quick fire, give us short, short and punchy answers. So the first question, when are you at your happiest? Um, probably when I'm just hanging out by myself. I really like my own company um, and just hanging out in nature, just in my imagination. That's when I'm my happiest, I would say. Out of 10, where do you think the world is currently in terms of mental health awareness? Oh, I think about a five. From my perspective, from my perspective, it doesn't mean it's, it's right. Um, the more that we begin to listen to Indigenous cultures all over the world, that was when we were going to have a, hopefully, a, a much more, um, there's a beautiful guy called Tyson Yacoporto, and he wrote that book, sand talk and he sort of speaks about ecosystems and syntropic systems and I think that we are getting there but the deeper that we begin to listen to these cultures and and therefore the earth yeah I think our mental health is going to see a great shift so I would say a five okay five out of ten where are you with your own mental health currently I would say seven to eight I have definitely been integrating you know, because like listening, learning old way is like learning to walk in your head, but then be in this world and walk forward as well. So it's taken me a while to integrate that. So I think I'm coming to about seven to eight, I'm making my way up there. And if you could recommend just one thing for people to do each day to improve their mental health, what would it be? I think it's just waking up and being grateful for the day and being open to the mystery of it I think that would be instead of trying to control it definitely having a little list and things you've got to do but welcoming in the mystery and the miracles that are possible in a day very nice very good Sorry, anything to add, mate? no I think I think we've covered everything that was amazing um the last thing we just ask everybody Chev is just if anyone's listening and has been really interested in what they've heard. How do they get in touch with you? How do they find you? Well, they can find me on Instagram. Where do you, where do you what live? Are, What's your address? Give me your address. <laughs> Which window do you sleep on? You can find me in Mullum. No. <laughs> um, you can find me on Instagram, Chev Kelly underscore. Um, and then my website details on there. So you can contact me, you can email me. And have a look at my website and make sure that you're like i actually want to speak to this person um yeah i think that's that's it yeah all my details are on there if you want to get in touch or oh, i'm on nimbus as well if you want to check out nimbus's stuff yeah, as well. check, that, that's, there's a good little even if you want to have a little taste there's like a 10 to 50 minute yeah. free, free sample which is a great little watch as well for anyone listening yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say there's a lovely little visualization that you have in that in that session that Gary spoke about earlier, the anxious about being anxious, where you kind of compartmentalize. Like I feel like I'm I'm like a fallopian tube here with my two arms, <laughs> but you have like <laughs> contentment here and like and then you have like you know the two different uh, spectrums. Little pop ups. Yeah. yeah, little pop ups come up, and I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I don't know how I got to that. <laughs> I don't know how I got to that level, but yeah, what I what I really love about that was especially for someone like I I mean I think a lot of 
mental health is about in your own head so often as you're saying you both are writers and um, mm. I'm more I'm more a visual person so even just seeing that graphic and you're like if you're feeling any of these like what is it out of the 10 you know ask those questions as you were saying like question your own self of like well why am I feeling like this and mm. I, and even that alone for me was like a really nice experience to almost like remove yourself out of it take a look question it and by doing so you're already deflating it as a thing um and if you do that more often it won't be such a big thing then when the next time you know if that makes sense yeah for sure mm. like kind of creating a little gap like a breath like oh there's other possibilities <laughs> yeah yeah and that might differ for anyone that's listening you know it could be mm. we've said it before sometimes it's as simple as going for a walk you know to clear your head or maybe mm. it's a meditation but um don't be afraid to because I, I would have never visualized that until I saw what you know your own work so I think mm. one of the things one of the personal advice I would give out would be it's well if you can solve all your problems yourself credit to you and I think mm. like that's an amazing thing to be able to do but often you do need to seek help and sometimes it's help from various different things not just one thing but that's okay mm. too and only by working with people who are experienced in that area can you then make that own progression yourself you know the kind of way totally because if you think about it like we're just trudging old like pathways of the brain of the neurosystem that we know sometimes you need a fresh perspective to open up a mm. different pathway sorry i keep getting a call um it's yeah it's like that um that einstein thing of insanity like if like you know i think of trauma in the past and you think like oh no i can fix this myself and if i just yeah if i just think about it this way it might go away and it just it, it never does right so if you keep doing the same yeah. thing you're never gonna f go down that path where it's like yeah like broadening your horizon speaking to other people and having new experiences yeah. will hopefully get you through that you know yeah, it's like what Gary was saying about his process whenever he's doing something new. It's like it always brings up that anxiety because it's a new pathway. So it's unknown. It's like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> That's my, what my brain's saying is I'm doing that 100%. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah, I mean, oh, I, thanks I, so I, much. I, I was going to say, I had that even with the baby. Like, you know, it's just. Oh, yeah, yes. It, he's like four days old it's kind of you just get it's the same thing it's just like what am I doing and you get scared and you're like oh, totally. I don't want to upset him I don't want to you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> what ancestral trauma am I carrying no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 100% but yeah I think it, I was thinking about that when you mentioned it wrong because you do have a choice right you have that choice of like passing things on consciously or yeah. you can take the decision to go, well, no, I'm not going to do that. And yeah. that's, that's actually quite, well, it's a hugely brave thing to do. Mm. Um, I'm thinking about my own mom, because uh, mm. she had, she had a pre pretty um, awful upbringing in many ways, but she chose, well, she took a lot of the, the brunt of that on her own shoulders, which was actually really unfortunate. But with us as kids, she tried to give the opposite of what she got. And mm you know there was a lot of sacrifices from her personally to do that mm. but hugely appreciative of of her making that decision but she could have gone mm. down the road of passing on the same shit which would have made us pass, you know that kind of way so it's a yeah totally yeah she stopped it she put her like she did the best that she could to put a kink in that in that chain and then she's given a space for you to be able to do more and, mm. and then that'll give space for Sonny to do more and so on and so on <laughs> hopefully you won't be hopefully you won't be as tardy as i am that's one thing i don't want to pass on <laughs> oh chef uh brilliant speaking to you this morning thanks so much for your time um thank you yeah great listen um but as i said watch your definitely recommend anyone to listen to your little sample you've got on nimbus online and of course you can purchase that as well but fantastic to hear from you uh, and some really good points then to let people dive a little bit deeper into themselves cool thank you yeah. so much gary You're nice to chevy. meet you, you thank Bye. you Neil. thanks chevy have a nice weekend love you you too yeah. love you too bye. good bye. to bye. speak bye. with you guys bye See you. bye bye, bye.
Don't forget to follow us on all the social media channels, including Instagram and Twitter, at These Lands Are Mental. And if you do have a topic or a guest or subject that you want us to talk about, please do get in touch and send in your suggestions. Thanks for joining us on today's show. As mentioned at the beginning, if you are struggling with mental health, please do seek further assistance. Here's who you can get support from. Lifeline, Beyond Blue, Fitzier, and the Black Dog Institute.